hope you're hungry because you're listening to 3M6, your podcast guide to all the eats in the 316. It's your friend David in the hashtag Collective Basement by myself. I uh, just wanted to let you guys know we got a great episode for you today. But before we get started, I want to remind you about WichitaRewards.com. Head over to WichitaRewards.com. They've got a lot of great rewards for you out there on all things local. You can get discounts on all sorts of restaurants, uh, boutiques, magicians, a lawyer. Go check out WichitaRewards.com. See all the different deals you can get. When you check out for your $20 card, you type in code Wichita Podcast, you get $5 off. That's a $15 card. We've talked about it before, but you can do a large pizza at Nola's for medium price. You can do uh, an appetizer at the Angry Elephant for $11.50 for free. I mean, that basically is the whole card right there. So go check out WichitaRewards.com, code word Wichita Podcast. Today, we are jumping into this interview over at Oddfellow Hall. We had a great conversation. We're very excited for you guys to check it out. So, here we go. Hi, everyone. We are down here at Oddfellow Hall. That is on the corner of Douglas and Walnut. Is that right? Okay. I I saw that as I walked in, and I wasn't 100% sure, but we are here with two of the owners of Oddfellow, uh, Jimmy and Cody. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Great. Excited to be here. Glad to have you here. I'm also here with Andrew. Hey. Hi. Good, good to see you. It's good a to see beautiful, you. beautiful day. Out Windy on, day. Yeah, over on Doug and Nut. But we're, we're, <laughs> we're over here on the Doug and, corner of Doug and Nut. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, thanks to you guys for uh, stopping. Well, we stopped by your guys' spot and talking with us a little bit about Oddfellow. Um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves real quick and just kind of tell us about um, your entrance into the, the food industry. Um, my name is Jimmy Vo. Um, started farming 2010 uh, down in Southwest Wichita, uh, right on the border of Wichita. Um, started growing bean sprouts, microgreens, and uh, moved into outdoor organics at that point. After that, and then really just started working with local area chefs and restaurants and. Um, you know, we work with local markets like Green Acres, uh, your local Asian markets um, across the city. So that's kind of how I got into it. Cool. Yeah, my name is Cody Lonergan. Uh, I kind of run the bar here at Oddfellow Hall, kind of in charge of setting up a lot of the events and, as you can see, breaking them down as well. Right. Um, I got into this industry and back in college, uh, Sebastian Gordon was running Quentin's Bar and Deli in Lawrence, Kansas, and I had just kind of moved there and was couch surfing, and he called me one day during KU game and asked if I'd be a, a door guy. Uh, so that's where it all started, and then from there, became a bar back, and then worked in the kitchen, was a kitchen manager. I uh, got given my first bartending gig two days after I turned 21, uh, and then a year <laughs> after that, I was a bar manager. So um, I've been running stuff ever since then, and once Jimmy kind of approached me about what we were doing here, I thought it was a really unique concept and it was a different way to utilize my skills and um, kind of, you know, bring something different to Wichita. So. Very cool. And yeah. so what exactly is Oddfellow Hall? Um, you know, you, like you said, it's kind of a new concept. I mean, how did this kind of formulate and um, begin to be what it is today? Well, I'll let Jimmy kind of tell the beginning story because I actually wasn't here for that part. Okay. Um, so. Well, I think it was 2016 uh, when they walked me through the space, uh, right when they were getting Leslie's ready. I think uh, Rock Construction was down there. They walked me through and then brought me up here to this space. And, man, I mean, with the 20-foot ceilings, uh, you just don't get that architecture anymore. I know that they do a lot of office work. Uh on rentals and things like that so I kind of gave my two cents about it and I envisioned you know bringing it back to a gathering hall uh, to what it was meant to be since the beginning and I think we hung out up here for about 20-30 minutes uh, I told them what I think could be up here and didn't really think much of it you know we're all good friends so uh, two years later 2018 they call me back and say hey you want to get serious with it and 
you know, I was farming since 2010, so I, I felt like it was a good time to break off and do something a little bit different uh, on top of farming. I still farm today, so. Um, and that's kind of how it rolled downhill from there, and we walked through again, changed a couple things, uh, really just started formulating on how we wanted to finish the space out uh, from, was, from what I saw it in 16, so. Uh, happened pretty quick, um, and I think at that time, me and Cody knew each other from working Dempsey's and, and Can Grow. Uh, I would come in and do deliveries. He started, you know, picking up herbs and flowers and things like that for the bar, making special cocktail menus and all that. Um, and I think shortly after 18 of me knowing about this space, Cody uh, approached me about wanting to work down at the farm and really see what I did day to day to uh, try to get me off the farm. Um, and from there, that's kind of how the story was wrote and, and that's where we are today. Uh, granted, we started in the middle of COVID. Sure. So uh, it really didn't have a strong start, but I think for us, it was, it was a good time to really uh, get into the space and really get to understand what it could be. So, and we're still, you know, changing formats every day. I feel like um, that's my point of view, at least. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man. This space, when you walk into it, it really just has a way of like taking you almost out of the city. Uh, it's being up on the second floor and kind of overlooking and having these west-facing windows, just really immaculate light in here. Uh, so, I, I mean, I immediately fell in love with it when they walked me through the space. And then he showed me kind of the breakdown of what we were going to do with the, the bar in the kitchen. And my first question was, how, how is that going to get up here? You know, this building's, <laughs> this building's 113 years old. And uh, they actually had to airlift all of the kitchen equipment. Wow. So they took out one of our windows and airlifted all the kitchen equipment and brought it in. And then built the buffet bar around it. So... Good luck to anybody, I guess, 50, 60 <laughs> years down the future if they want to try and rip out that kitchen. Uh, yeah, don't, don't buy old equipment so you can't take it down. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of I, – I've peeked back there before. There is a lot of big equipment, yeah. very big. And so it's pretty cool that we were able to take these original stalls that were here because everything in this room is original. Uh, the, the hardwood floors, all of the carpentry that you see here, including these rolling doors, which – we only have one that had to be replaced and it's the only one that doesn't work. So <laughs> it kind of shows you like, you know, carpentry back then, right. carpenters carpentry now is, is really kind of a special thing. Right. And I thought they did a really nice job with the subway mirror tile behind the bar and kind yeah. of giving it that, you know, twenties ish look. Uh, I'd say it's probably the most common theme people throw up here is like Gatsby style parties because right. it does have that feel, but kind of tying into what Jimmy said, it's just not often that, you walk up a whole flight of stairs and then you still get 20 foot pitch ceilings. Sure. So, um, but yeah, just the versatility of it and not really having like a set agenda, like a restaurant or a bar was in the past of what I've worked, you know, instead kind of curating our own events and helping out, you know, a lot of our friends and people around town that have these unique ideas, but just want to get them in front of people. Uh, that was really our original concept. I mean, of course, you know, you got to throw the weddings and the bar mitzvahs and the, you know, everything like that. But uh, what we've curated on our own here has been kind of special, um, including these, like the Chef's Collective dinners that we're doing. Uh, we just wrapped one up with Travis Russell from uh, Public and Tom Jackson from All Things Barbecue. And it was a sold out. And I think it actually sold out faster than yeah, the first was. four that we did. So, I mean, it's kind of starting to, to catch on. But, you know, that that's usually two chefs that have never worked together before. And they come together for one night to create eight courses, and I do cocktail pairings with each course. Um, and on top of that, we put three to five piece jazz sets in between them, and get somebody to enjoy a dinner for five hours is kind of a, a special deal. So sure. yeah, um, but no, it's been fun getting to know Jimmy and you know what kind of like his ties were around Wichita and the influence that he's already had in the food scene, and then he was building this amazing kitchen and now people are kind of running from all around to, to see what he's doing in there so, right yeah so you guys have kind of touched on kind of what you've done the last few years what your vision your outline kind of is do you mind going over the history of this space over the years and decades 
Yeah, so I think that, if I'm correct in saying this, that it's the seventh oldest standing building in Wichita. Because I know that I know that Tim and Nathan also own the oldest, which is of the one at Third and Main. It's the Baltimore, Baltimore building. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. Um, and it's the it's the only one standing from the Cowtown area. But you know, this one kind of is up there with them because Delano itself, being so historic, you know, this was this was a cowboy town. You know, like, right. This is where all the this is where all the vices. Yeah, were. the the brothels and the gambling yeah. and all that yeah. stuff, and uh, and so it's kind of neat and. This building itself, though, was built in 1911, uh, and it was built by the Odd Fellows, uh, which they were like a secret fraternal group that started in the late 1700s, and they actually started in Europe. Uh, not gonna say which town because I'm not 100% sure, <laughs> but uh, but it was such a successful deal over there that it actually made its way over to America. And at one point, there was an on average eight um, halls in a state. Like they were a very popular huh. like fraternal group. And on top of that, they were, I, I'm pretty sure the whole reason they were called odd is be, just because it was strange to be nice to people back then, you know? Uh, they were very much about like community and helping out the people in need. So their symbol was actually three rings that are tied together uh, and they stand for friendship, love, and truth. And so as Jimmy and I are going through researching the history of Odd Fellows and is it something that we want to have on our name, you know, because who knows? You know, right. It's very easy to get canceled these days. Could have been so you want to make sure they weren't stuff. like, yeah, 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 racist murderers or something. <laughs> right. uh, so, so once we cleared that up, we actually found out that they were the first ones to accept all races and also women. And they were okay. calling uh, the women that were joining were called Rebecca's. Um, so that's kind of where we got the idea for our new lounge name. So oh. it'll be Rebecca's Lounge at Oddfellow Hall. Um, we just really kind of fell in love with the history of what they were and kind of started to make a lot of parallels as to what we're doing now you know kind of getting the community more involved together coming together dining together you know drinking together uh dancing together you know uh i think it's pretty cool to like be in this space and realize that it's now being utilized what it for what it was originally built for um i'm sure the music's a lot different now but uh i still think that it's kind of fun that we're gathering for the same purposes but but the first floor of this, um, if I'm not mistaken, was the first uh, state bank. Okay. And so... That's, that's where Leslie's is. Yeah, Leslie's right. Coffee Shop's right. there now. And their kitchen, I believe, is actually where the vault was. So it's kind of a nice little tie-in. And uh, some of the older pictures that we could probably send to you, like, it'll show you how this room was set up for theater. It was set up for, you know, ballroom experiences as well as dining because there was a kitchen on this side, right? Like where our kitchenette is now? Um, I think it's where our closet area is. Yeah. And the bridal suite is. Um, by the way, shout out to Leslie's yeah. on uh, <laughs> getting top coffee shop and uh, food and wine. Yep. In the nation. Oh, in the whole nation. Whoa, nation. really? Mm-hmm. Top three. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should be down there interviewing them next. Yeah. yeah I'm sure you guys could probably hook it up. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I know I said. There's a. She's tied in the city pretty well. Okay. Her name's not Leslie? Uh, Sarah Leslie. Oh, Sarah Leslie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I think her dad used to own the cotillion. Oh, wow. Boy, we yeah. may have to stop down there yeah. on our way out and see if she'll do an episode with us. Yeah, a lot of history. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the mantra for Oddfellas was what? Uh, friendship, love, and truth. So I think it was an easy easy thing for us to be okay with following in the sense of you know that's what we wanted to do was really build around our community um you know for me this whole space was more about everybody that supported me as a farm uh from the chefs to the owners and things like that to really let them exemplify their time and their creativity and what they've been doing for years now. Um, I've always wanted to do farm table dinners at my farm, but it's such a slow growth down there that aesthetically it's not there. Um, The kitchen's not as strong. Um, And so I was super excited to be able to get into the space and let all the creative people that want to come through and put in the work and do their thing and really not be a gatekeeper you know and and really try to help out the community on that level of 
uprising everybody that we can to make a better city, you know. Um, before farming, I was traveling. So I got to see a lot of everything from Europe to Asia to South America. And it was really important to me when I came back to really, if I was going to be here, try to bring some of that culture back to Wichita and, and be able to enjoy it here, you know, because the people here are awesome. I think we have one of the best uh, communities of, I mean, amazing people. So nice. I mean, it's like Midwest, you know, we're the nicest people no in the doubt. Whole world. No doubt. I feel like so. Um, it was important to me to, you know, really push for if I was going to live here and be here and, and try to expand on that as a uh, as something that give back to the community, really. So not just farming, not just, you know, providing food in that end, but really opening the doors for anybody that wants to be able to create. So that was kind of my thought. And Cody was one of the first people that I knew on his level of where he was at in the restaurants doing his thing as a bar manager, but did it really let him express himself on whatever level he wanted to be on. So that's kind of where, you know, I wanted to take this place and make it a, a communal space, so. So how long, do you, do you guys know how long this space was being operated by the Odd Fellows, and then when it kind of stopped, and then obviously you guys brought it back in 2018? I think, I mean, I've heard stories about all the things that are up here. I mean, AA meetings were here last. I think Friends University was thinking about buying it for their art department. Okay. This building and the one, the auto center right behind us, but they that fell through, and that's, I think, who sold it last, I think, that didn't go through with it. Because I think Bluebird was next door, art uh, group that were doing uh, open doors for artists mm. and things like that. So I knew there was a, a tie and a play there with Friends University and all that. And then I also heard they used to practice um, baseball up here. They oh. had batting cages and all that stuff, nets and all that stuff up here. Right. Uh, and right. hitting balls and, and pitching and doing all that up here. So that was kind of crazy to hear. Um, that is crazy. Do you know anything crazy. else on what it was before? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like I think I said, there's, you know, a hundred years of history in this building, and it's been a ton of stuff, but I want to say that the Odd Fellows had it until, like, the 50s? Wow. Yeah, Congress something like that. Yeah. So at least, like, 30 years. Right. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I, I've heard tons of stuff. I heard that they used it for a little bit for an immigration check-in spot. That's uh, where all these separate doors were. Ah, yeah. They put the families in there and have them change, get checked up on, and things like that. Gotcha. Yeah. So, kind of like cool. a washroom. Um, but yeah, I, it's something that we, we learn, I mean, constantly, we have people stop by, call our phones, all like, so I heard you're starting a new Oddfellow chapter in Wichita. And we're like, uh, not exactly. <laughs> um, we just like the history and the name and we're a little odd ourselves. So we decided to take up on that. And, uh, but you know, people drop by and, you know, thank they us, us. And tell us that their grandfather yeah. was an Oddfellow and here's a picture and. Here's a shield and a, a sword, because there's tons of momentums right. of them. And I know that, like, just from, like, being a fan of going to antique stores anyways, like, I've come across a ton of Oddfellow stuff, and it's made us really kind of get more interested in what they actually were doing. Yeah. Uh, like, we were just in New Orleans uh, and taking one of those haunted ghost tours around all the cemeteries and stuff, and we saw this symbol that was like very familiar to us both. And we were like, that's crazy. Like, is that like, and she was like, she's like, Oh, and then on your right hand side, that's the odd fellow burial ground. And we were like, Oh, you know, like you yeah. were there for my birthday. So my whole family and all my friends were all cheering. And she's like, I don't understand why you're cheering. <laughs> she's like, they were, they were crazy, crazy people. And no one ever touches that cemetery yeah, anymore. And like, cause you know, cause you have to be an odd fellow in order to be buried there. But right. like the tallest walls. It was like yeah, the darkest place. Yeah. It was no lights. It was, it was, was kind of creepy. Yeah. Because the, I mean, there's tons of stories. And, you know, doing research on, on it on your own, I'm sure you guys will even find things that we haven't read yet. 
but there was like all these crazy stories about how they used to like bury a, a body with the new buildings. So they would like, as a sense Naturally. of community, they would like, they would take a casket and all the founding members would then carve their names into the, the casket and bury it somewhere in the building. Uh, I think that just about every square foot of this building has been renovated. I was going to say, have you found I, it yet? I have. I, what, what was the name, too? They, didn't they give... There's a name for, like, every... Because, like, you know, obviously it wasn't the same kit for every spot. But they, right. they were trying to... I don't know. It, it, some, some very strange stuff that I think today would be like... Yeah. I don't know about that. So, so the Oddfellows were crazy, but they were nice? Yes. Kind yeah, of, yeah, I mean, I think they took care of the community. Was, right. I like that. It was yeah. like, you know, they, I think it was take care of the orphans, bury the dead, you know. Kinda, right. They kind of took care of everybody that was left out of every other society, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that it was more of, like the Masons have their own trade. You have to be a Mason to be there. I think they were more open to anybody and anybody that wanted to help other people. So that's why they were the first to have women. They were right. first to have people of color. So, you know, it was it was interesting to kind of see that that type of society did exist. And you know, it was it was cool. I mean, I could I could get down on it. Yeah, for sure. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if my grandfather was technically an odd fellow, but I think he is in that picture downstairs. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. I need to confirm with Tim and Nathan, but I believe he's in that picture. I, I, I found someone who I think is him, but I'm not 100% sure. No sh- um, But I, I believe he was because they had a dinner here for Bishop Basil a few months ago yeah. that we attended, and we unfortunately had to leave early because our daughter needed to go to bed. We had to relieve the babysitter, mm-hmm. but um, they had taken the picture to kind of like um, commemorate it and like replicate it. Oh, yeah. And I think... I think my grandpa's in it. I'm pretty Honestly, sure. that was kind of like one of the most special things that happened up here in, in a whole year was seeing a picture. I think that picture is from 1936. Yeah, I think that's what it said and, down there. And, you know, uh, there was so many people in this room who had a family member in that photo. Right. You know, and then it was the existing bishop, and we set the tables almost the exact same way and, like, everything. Like, So the recreation of this photo besides being way higher quality was was really like right. awesome you know because the windows are the same the doors are the same right. you know the spirit of this room's kind of stayed the same and so it was kind of cool to i guess see it come back around right um, full circle yeah it's not there's not many rooms i don't think that they get to hold historic value like that and right. consistently do it and that's why thank you to tim and nathan and thank you to jimmy for not putting a drop ceiling in here and making it office spaces or something like that you know because uh, like there's a lot of places in town and Wichita has so much cool architecture and I don't think that they want it to be lost. And so I think the best way to do it is to take buildings like this, like they're doing right now and putting new life back into them. Right. So yeah, my wife is obsessed with this space. Yeah. Every time she comes, we leave. She's just like, well, you know, I would probably put this over there and I'd probably do this. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> all Tim. <laughs> there's a lot of things yeah. that we do every day in here, yeah. you know, cause, uh, right off the bat we didn't get a whole lot of say in like the the decoration or the outlook of it it was like how do you want this bar set up and how do you want this kitchen set up and we'll let a professional take care of the rest of it uh but as we've been expanding and growing you know like you you can see like we added acoustic paneling in here because you know i think when this was built there was no such thing as an electric guitar right and now we have half stacks and metal bands and hip-hop artists and edm shows and all these things and and the sound quality in here is amazing for somebody sitting with a trumpet or sitting with a guitar, but you start putting a bunch of wattage behind somebody and it, it really bounces off in here. Um, so, you know, just little things as we go, trying to make it the full space that we want it to be. What got you into farming in the first place? Oh man, being broke, bro. I came back now. Okay, so my <laughs> uncle was growing bean sprouts and I came back from San Diego and. 09, the beginning of 09. Okay. So that's when, what, the market dropped out? Mm-hmm. And everybody was scattered, getting laid off. So I was kind of fresh out of college, maybe two years removed after that. Um, so I came back and really, man, I was overqualified, underqualified. 
for everything I did. And like Cody, I mean, I started in the industry of food service and all that since I was 14. So that's kind of where I, I drew my line as in partially always working in a bar or restaurant, something like that, um, to get through college and all that. So I think when I came back from San Diego, I was a general manager for a restaurant out there for a buddy of mine. Um, and then when I came back, I was, like I said, overqualified, underqualified. And everybody from the aviation industry was going back to service uh, to find a job. So there's really no jobs available. Uh, my uncle was doing sprouts at the time uh, out of his house, and he needed to expand and, you know, go to a commercial level on that end. And I graduated with an economics degree out of KU, but, man, I couldn't sit in an office longer than 30 minutes probably. Um, so we got together, and um, he asked me if I could help him out on really expanding his business and commercializing it and so that's when I got in the line of learning how to grow hydroponics uh, for bean sprouts and so really from the ground up uh, just started sprouts learned how to do that learned how to put it into a business sense of uh, getting the right facilities the license and all that stuff to get it rolling. And that was kind of what I did for 09 was odd jobs and learning how to grow hydroponics uh, in my folks' basement. So uh, I was growing basil, all that stuff, right. kind of the accoutrements of, of what was on a FUD dish. Uh, and the way it panned out was we ended up finding a space, and uh, I put up in a building, and um, we started rolling on bean sprouts. We got in there. I think we got the farm in May 2010. I think we broke ground on my uncle's business in his building uh, October of 2010, and then I got it up and running and licensed and everything in April of uh, 2011. So from that point on, it was just hitting the ground running, trying to get sprouts throughout the city and every local account, every pho shop, every Thai restaurant, every Chinese restaurant, uh, Asian market, anybody that would, you know, want to use bean sprouts in their cuisine or uh, Green Acres is one that uh, picked up pretty early. And from there, it was just going from one product to the next, learning how to grow, uh, seeing if it worked, um, and that's kind of how I got into pickling, because uh, if you remember, 2011 was a good year for water, 12, 13, 14 were all drought years, so we ran into kind of a problem that growing outdoors was horrible. Only thing I could grow was jalapenos, pickles, and okra, hmm. and we had so much of it. I had to learn how to uh, to pickle the preserve, pretty much. Yeah. So that's how I got kind of in the pickle game um, on preservation style. So and then from there, it was just yeah, man, adding a crop every year, trying something new, talking to the chefs, really understanding what they're looking for, how to add value to our communities, and you know what they're looking for. You know, a lot of chefs coming from out of town, back to town, uh, what they saw, and just kind of learning day to day. Uh, you know, from every plant, every seed. I've killed so many plants, man. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, still going today. So. <laughs> but that's that's kind of how I, you know, is, you know, and I, I a lot of it goes out to my cousin, Dong, uh, which he's a full-time engineer now. Um, comes and helps out at the farm still, but um, he was a two-season grower. Uh, it's kind of a dry and wet season over in Vietnam, and that's who really taught me how to understand the growing aspect of it. Uh, his curve was trying to learn four seasons, 
mine was trying to learn all of it at the same time. Uh, but he was, he grew up before he came to America um, studying aquaculture uh, between growing shrimp and rice paddies and coconut groves. And, but when he came over here, he had that, you know, American dream opportunity to go to study. You know, he's um, super, super intelligent. Uh, so he ended up being an engineer and getting out of farming. He thought I was crazy for trying to start farming because he was getting out of that, right. out of Vietnam. And I'm over here with all the opportunity in the world of trying to get back into farming. So, uh, but for me, it's a little bit more passion than, you know, that with food. I've always uh, grown up around good food with my mom. And, and so it translated for me as in not being in office, nine right. to five. Uh, you know, using agronomics, I guess, uh, still using the, the key concepts of economics when it comes to supply and demand and all that. So it all correlates. It's just funny. I guarantee that none of my friends growing up would have ever thought I would be a farmer or <laughs> doing what I'm doing now. So, uh, you know, but a lot of people believed in what I was doing and, yeah. and pushed me along as, as well as me believing myself. So. You know a thing or two about economics. Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple degrees in it. Uh, but no, to your point, I, I think knowing the basics of things like supply and demand, that's really helpful with farming especially. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've dabbled with commodities trading a little bit like a decade ago. That stuff is hard. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, it's just, you know, they say growing up, well, going through school, you know, economics is more about theory, so... I had all these great theories about what I could do or try to do, and that still kind of gives you the open creativity. I feel like it's yeah. not all hard numbers and all that it should be, in a sense. But in the sense of what you can do, nothing's really impossible. It's kind of how you uh, go about, you know. Just gotta getting, believe. Yeah, right? you just gotta believe. Yeah, you know. One of Jimmy's favorite sayings. <laughs> I really, I mean, yeah. you need to have what your vision is in mind, and then you got to connect all the dots to get there. And, and now, Cody, I want to ask you, kind of similar, but not really to the farming question. So you go, you know, we kind of picked up your life at Dempsey's and then kind of moved forward. What, what got you down that path? And then what was it? I don't know how to ask it. Was it the creativity aspect that kind of got you most excited about where you're at now or having that ability to kind of, you know, take a little more ownership as to what decisions you're getting to make? Kind of what what led you down this path precisely? Well, it's kind of a crazy story because I actually went to school for graphic design uh, and I was going to school in Hayes at Fort Hayes State University. And I got a scholarship there, and they actually have one of like the highest, well-known like graphics programs in the country. And uh, once it didn't work out there, I started realizing like, man, if I want to do music and art, should I be in Hayes, Kansas? And so then I, when I, that's when I got to Lawrence. Good question. You know, and and there is a lot of great stuff going on in Hayes. I'm not not knocking Hayes they, at all. They, I love they, it. Yeah, it holds they, a, a special part in my heart forever and always. Mm-hmm. Every time I go to Denver, I still have to stop in there. But. Uh, but I will say that, like, you know, moving to Lawrence and just seeing how everybody else there was viewing arts and music and all that stuff, it just was like a, it was mind-blowing, you know? Because uh, I'd been in this band in Hayes playing all these, like, small bars. And for what? You know, doing a bunch of covers and, you know, playing at baseball games and things like that. And then you go and you start seeing, like, this scene that's really there. And I just wanted to be a part of it so bad. and. I think that the easiest way that I saw myself getting into it was like, man, there's always somebody making a drink at the shows. You know, there's always somebody cooking food at the shows. You know, there's constantly people, and and let's just be real, like a lot of musicians are chefs and bartenders, you know. Uh, and then I think it was just like that hook of not easy money, but you know, like when, when you're 19, 20 years old and it starts coming to you in cash, it's really hard to like walk away from it um but yeah i mean starting to get into like the creativity thing it was like 
it was just work really like i when i was a door guy i didn't just you know check ids and then go home at the end of the night like there was a there was a guy and i actually went to high school with him uh sam hagan and he was the bar manager at the time and he sam yeah yeah Yeah. and and he owns his own restaurant now in Mm -hmm. kansas city uh but you know he he would always like at the end of the night like walk by and be like hey new guy you know he knew exactly who my who what my name was he just liked to give me a hard time but you know he'd be like have you seen what happened in the women's restroom tonight and i'm like no but i guarantee you're gonna make me go do it you know and, and i and i never like batted an eye or like you know it's just kind of like when you're doing a job and somebody asks you to do something you just go do it and i think that that work ethic kind of helped get me through that promotion stage and uh, so I was actually running the Quintons in Topeka when I got the call um, from Sebastian about coming back here to Wichita. And then, I, you know, I, I think I worked there for a week before I was the bar manager. And he just gave me every chance that I wanted, you know, because I told him, I was like, look, man, you got some really good cocktails on this cocktail menu, but I'd really love to see what I could do with it. Because at that time, I'd just been making Vegas bombs and green tea shots and Scooby Doo's and lemon drops and you know all these silly little cheap shots. Irish car bombs. Irish car bombs. A lot of Irish car bombs. A lot of Irish car bombs. Uh, So that's kind of when it started. And then after seeing what like the chef there was doing with the the burger sets, you know, to just not be like, all right, we're a burger spot. Instead, he's like making all these crazy jams and you know like and it's all made in house. And it was like man, there's just different ways to look at everything in life, you know? And so, like, I started looking at, at drinks that way. And then after meeting Jimmy and leaving Dempsey's and then going to work out on the farm, just starting to acknowledge, like, flavor like never before was was huge for me. Because uh, this guy had me building a chicken coop, and <laughs> I knew nothing about chickens, you know? I'd been doing house remodels and stuff with my dad. And Best like, damn chicken coop ever. And it is. It's cool. I need some help because I have yeah. chickens in our. We have a terrible coop. Yeah. So his was a his was a, a scare wagon. So it's like a what twenty two foot, twenty twenty four by wow like ten and a half. Yeah, like um, and it had this like really great. Too big for the road. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it had this really great like roof on it and like you know great bones and so we actually took old refrigeration panels because. I don't know if on a podcast you're supposed to interview the person that you're being interviewed with, but I was going to ask Jimmy, like, did the hoarding start before or after the farm? Because I love this, this guy had oh, enough. He had enough, he had enough, you know, supplies and products to build this chicken coop that to where, like, I think the only thing we bought was, like, the frame studs yeah, just to make sure that they were straight. <laughs> you know, everything else was, like, oh, I think I got some sheet metal over there, and I think that there's some refrigeration paneling we can use for the floor over there, and... You know. I think I think having space was what caused me to be a hoarder. <laughs> I think I was I think I was I was traveling I too much. I was traveling too much before that point. Yeah. To really have a, a space yeah. that I have of my own. And then when I moved to the farm I was like, dude, I got all this room, what am I gonna do? Well and his phone know. rings constantly of like, Hey, I got this. Do you wanna come pick it up? And his question's always like, Is it free? You know, like, how much is it? You know, like... Free 99 it's for like me. The king, yeah. the king of deals over here, let me wow. tell you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, that it played out great for, like, this, you know? Like, as far as, like, the kitchen supplies go and the bar supplies and, like, glassware and all the stuff, like, he just I, has a bunch of it. I just think I had enough knowledge of the bigger picture of the farm on, you know gotta grab those opportunities if they're there no matter if you're gonna use them now or later whatever I never think never but um, I don't think you can say that but um, is I don't know I'm always thinking of the bigger picture it's like yes something might come up now can you use it will you use it maybe but it's I'm always chasing that bigger picture at the farm. Uh, like I said, this space coincides with what I want to do at the farm later on mm-hmm. and how I want it to be ran down there as an event venue space and as a space, another space for chefs to come down and, and do their thing as 
as well as what I want to do with it as a chef too. Um, uh, I've always had that plan going into it. I feel like I, I kind of drew it up earlier than what I think other people thought I had in mind. Uh, still to this day, I can look at things and tell you where it's going to be or how I'm going to use it. Um, it might not be till three or four years later down the line, but you know, opportunity costs at that point. You know, if I pass on it, then who knows? I'll never see it again. So sometimes you just gotta have that vision, and I feel like for what I want to do, and that's why I started hoarding. Not really hoarding, but sure. collecting. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense. I mean, hoarding yeah. hoarding is a strength, and yeah, kind of you know, if, if it's had. if it's the right things, and I think where my mind and heart was on a lot of the stuff was, you know, you, you got to upcycle. You got to one man's trash is another man's treasure. So, sure. Um, and to be sustainable, man. I mean, that's in our business. It's so freaking hard. Uh, as a farmer, uh, you have to take advantage of your inputs being as cheap as possible. Still to this day, I mean, if I'm not getting the best price for my inputs for what I give to my chickens to eat or providing the right mulch for my plants, like, I have to keep those things in mind. It's always on my mind, as in, how can I make this better? How do I make it more sustainable than what I've done the years before? Because if not, I'm gonna still be at the same spot. You know, and my thought is always, you gotta grow, you gotta make it better. Always improve in some sort of way. Um, and that's why I do get a, back, a lot of backlash on, on the hoarding side of things. It's like, when are you gonna use this? Why is this even here? Why am I moving it 10 times? <laughs> well, I can say that, like, firsthand, I've, I was one of those people. But it's really cool, like, to consistently go out there and see it come to life. You know, like, he, he just moved over into his uncle's building where they, where they were doing the bean sprouts. And, like, so a whole new grow room. And we just redid all the walls in there. And, you know, uh, the chicken coop is now making the orchard so much better because we're just pulling it through and letting it fertilize. And, uh, you know, the greenhouses that... I think I personally moved twice, and I think Jimmy's had for about five years, and it's gone from one side of the I've farm had it for to the 10 other. Years. Yeah. yeah, ten years. These guys, ha he's had these greenhouses, and they just went up this year. And now that they're there and they're in the field, and you see it, it's just like it fits perfectly. It's like somebody that like knew that they had all the all the puzzle pieces, but all they had was the empty box, you know. And, and it's just slowly putting it together, and to see that bigger picture is really cool, and it's honestly like inspiring and it, it kind of keeps working here and doing things with him like interesting it's not that mundaneness of the same thing every day and that's what I've really grown to love about the event business is that every single week looks different I mean we might have a wedding every single Saturday but it's certainly not the same wedding you know yeah. every single one is so different and every, every concert different, every know. every cocktail every you know and it's not like you're it's not like you're writing a menu for the masses to try and sell a product consistently every day like you like I was doing at a restaurant you know because you have to think about cost and you have to think about like are people going to like this whereas like here I basically have to serve whatever I want and you get to decide if you like it or not you know uh, on these chef's dinners we've gotten pretty creative with a lot of like the cocktails and the food and just I'd say that like the like back to what you were asking me originally like the creativity like it a lot of it is stemmed from chefs and people like Jimmy and you know uh, I think when like my initial interest into like flavor and pairings and all that stuff came was when uh, Bill Kreitz moved here and we opened the biscuit company and just working with somebody like that every day and then the fact that it came back full circle now and he's here every shout day. out shout out to Bill yeah and <laughs> so he you know he's, he's been working in our kitchen here and doing a lot of our dinners and we actually just kind of sporadically started a jerky line uh so he's been blasting out pork jerky and we teamed wow. up with bryce lob and una vita to make like a inejo al pastor pork jerky so you know it's like love it it's like yeah we're making jerky but we're making pork jerky using tequila and 
off by store flavoring and you know that kind of stuff so shout out our boy bryce yeah love yeah. bryce love bryce what what is Oddfellow hall today i know we've we've danced around and we've talked about it i mean tell us about you know the weddings or your other events you have um, i also know that I, I just found out yesterday that you guys have the yada 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 show is yeah. here because um, i've been talking with her about doing something for us but yeah. um just we're, we're, tell us about it so the yada 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 show kind of stemmed from us getting all of our licensing and everything and then them shutting down the country and us looking at each other like what are we going to do with this huge space don't, don't let us get bored because we're just going to end up yeah. doing something yeah exactly and and so that's when you know courtney had the idea we were sitting at the vagabond and she was like i really want to start a podcast and i was like yeah podcasts are cool but if you want to use Oddfellow Hall, like, how's everybody going to... It's kind of like right now. We're right. talking about the room. We're doing all this stuff, but no one can really see what's going on here. Go check out the blog that I yeah. also posted if you want to go see what's going on here. Yeah, there you go. Um, but, you know, when she when she approached me about that, she just wanted to interview bands so that right. people in Wichita could get a better understanding of who these people are. You know, yeah, you're going to see their shows, and, yeah, you're supporting them when you see it pop up across your news feed, but, like you should be going to support them for the bigger picture as well, right. you know, and bringing back like a whole scene of music to Wichita. And I just loved that she was kind of passionate about that. And so I, then I was like, well, why don't we do it as like a full fledged video interview, you know, cause you know, a lot of podcasts have video with them as well. Right. Um, but, but it, then it just kind of started clicking, you know, and it was like, well, we actually have this amazing show kitchen. So what if after you interview the bands, we interview a chef, and they teach everybody how to cook a meal since everybody's at home right now. Right. And then I was like, well, let's just make it a full circle and let's make it a date night on a TV show to where you're gonna get to know the band, you're gonna get to be shown how to cook a meal by a really good chef in town, and then somebody's gonna show you how to make a cocktail behind the bar. So not only are you getting to know the bands, you're getting to know the food, the drinks, and then afterwards, once you you make it all and you sit down, that band that was originally interviewed is gonna play you a whole set. so it was really fun and it was really cool and it was great networking to just get people up here when people weren't supposed to be gathering, you know? Right. And luckily this room is gigantic. So we all had masks on and we were, you know, distancing apart and like all these crazy things. But it, w- it was really kind of a cool thing to start because it was our concept just put into single edition interviews because like what Oddfellow Hall is now is exactly that. It's like a chef having an idea for a dinner and we sell total tickets around it and, you know, curate music just for that night and make food. And, you know, like it's grown into the fact that like the Wichita Chamber of Music just reached out to us and we just did a dinner with them. And it was four courses and each course was paired to a different era of music. Hmm. And so they were playing strings, horns, singing, all these things to different time periods and Bill was making food for those time periods and I was pairing cocktails with it. Um, So just like, you know, unique ideas like that. And we're now teaming up with Mama's Films. Uh, She does like small pop-up theaters and she's had this idea to pair like food and film. And so starting at the end of this month, I'm not sure when this will air or whatever, but... uh, I think the goal is uh, next Wednesday, actually. Yeah, so April 27th, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. uh, We're doing like a... It's two short films, two small plates, and two cocktails that all kind of tie in together. And then there's a conversation afterwards about it. Um, So as far as like what Oddfellow Hall is, I mean... It's everything. Yeah, I mean, we... we, 24th. 24th, not 27th. Uh, We are a wedding venue. Uh, We do corporate luncheons. We do birthday parties, you know. I've watched Chiefs game here before. Chiefs, you know, watch parties, like all kinds of stuff. But really it's just about like other people having ideas, you know. Like we've now started doing these uh, bazaars on the first Friday of every month to where it's like 16 local vendors in here. And then we have live musical performances. Sometimes there's comedians. And then we sell food and we sell drinks. And I think that that was like a big thing for us was if you're going to be another music venue, don't just be another music venue. That's why each of our shows, there's like a full gourmet food menu to go with it that's paired up to the style of music. There's a cocktail menu to go with the style of music along with Paps Blue Ribbon and Rumble Mints and whatever else you want. But, of you course. know, there is that little more of an uptick flair. And uh, 
I don't know. I was really inspired by the Jones Assembly in Oklahoma City um, when sure. we first started opening this. And so I was going to shows there all the time just to kind of see how they're running things. Um, and I think that grabbing ideas and inspiration from other cities to kind of help ours grow is, is awesome. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're lucky enough to come across a space like this, you might as well use it to the fullest ability, um, which is why we don't... I don't want to say this out loud, I guess, but there's not a whole lot of things we say no to right off the bat. Like if somebody has a good idea and they just need it to come to life, like we do really whatever we can to make that happen. Um, we're fortunate enough to like be able to do that here. And, and it's actually grown into some really unique opportunities like the auto show and, right. um, you know, like our dinner series and film series and all kinds of things like that. So it's just a curatable space, you know, like, like I said, if you're creative, you want to do things. We're we're here to help. So, and we like doing it ourselves, obviously. So, it's one of those things where it's it just being available to the community that you've grown up with. Um, I think that's important for me because the community has given me so much as a farm, uh, and and the support that it's given. Uh, I just want to full circle give it back, you know. Um, no matter if it's a small event or a large event or, you know, showing games or um, anything like that. We're not closed-minded. Uh, we want to be open to everyone, in a sense. So if it, uh, if it makes sense and it does good for a lot of people around then I wouldn't see why not you know um, I think that's kind of the the difference maker for us too like you know obviously we didn't open this place to be the greatest wedding reception spot of all time right but what I think we've gotten from the feedback of the people that have had their weddings here even ceremonies and receptions is just that they like the fact that when they first book the tour and they come here they see Jimmy and I, and we walk them through the whole process and we show them the vision. And then the day of their wedding, he's cooking the food and I'm making the drinks and we're both right in the mix with you. And we're standing right by that door to like help you out with anything that you want. And I think that that's kind of been what's you know set us apart is just kind of that relationship and the, the personality that gets kind of brought to it and letting people use the space and the cocktails and the food that they want. Which is why, like, we're expanding. You know, like, we're getting ready to have an amazing cocktail lounge. And yesterday, we just got approved, yay, uh, for a balcony on the west side of the building. Ooh, yeah. So, uh, so the one thing that we were kind of missing was an outdoor space, and now we're gonna have that. And it's actually gonna take our capacity from what was kind of limiting, you know, because we're, we're at like 233 right now. Uh, it's like about 200 seated and with this new room it's going to put us right there at like the 300 mark nice and we've lost a lot of weddings because of being just sure right there on a little too small um but it's also going to give us the opportunity to open the doors more frequently to have you know a lot of smaller events and maybe even like a membership club to let people bring clients up here uh you know just more frequently i guess having people in the, in the space which is the best marketing you can do because uh, I think the space really sells itself. I mean, sure. it's it's a huge thing of when we go do tours uh, here that people immediately walk in and go, wow, it's a lot bigger than the pictures look. Right. And it's just because it's really impossible to take one picture of this space to represent how massive it really is. Um, it's so, good size. Yeah. I was going to ask more about that lounge mm -hmm. you were talking about. Is there anything else you want to share about it that um – what it's going to be like or anything like that or so we've kind of got it set to be like an indoor outdoor patio space uh so there will be like an exhaust hood in there because because of being historic and because of our private licensing we are allowed to like have people smoke up here and cigars and that kind of thing um so an exhaust hood's going to go in in there and two garage doors so it'll be like an open breeze patio which i think will be wonderful once it's set and then a secondary bar will be in there, um, which will help again for receptions and concerts to help move the bar line a little bit quicker. Um, but you know, we've reached, we've been reached out to by a lot of people to do beer dinners and wine pairings and things like that. And sometimes 
it's difficult to set up this room for just 12 people. Um, so I think that we're also going to use it for a smaller type event space as well. Right. Um, it really just depends on, on what they want to do. Yeah. Because cool. this cool. room works really well for 20 people. Yeah. Which is crazy because usually a room that's of this size, it doesn't feel whole unless you have a lot of people in it. Right. Um, but I also think that's the charm of the space. So. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to ask? No. This is really good. I, yeah. I think the, the key word is inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's kind of what this podcast is to look yeah. at the entrepreneurs of Wichita, and that's clearly what you guys are. And uh, annoyingly enough, this could go on either of our podcasts, so now mm -hmm. I have to make a decision on how I want to air it. <laughs> uh, but it, it will go out. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say um, about the space, about yourselves, about the history, anything while we have you? Um, really, just come check us out. You know, come enjoy it uh, for what it is. We have different types of events for different people, and if you need a space to host whatever you guys need to do, then you know, come, come give us a look, and you know, we put in a full kitchen uh, to be able to cater, uh, hot, fresh. Um, that was kind of my whole ordeal with it. Was I didn't want to do this without a full kitchen because I used to cater and. Man, there's some rough spots in Wichita where you just got to pull a bunny out of the hat and try to make uh, some clients happy. Um, but other than that, really just, you know, come uh, come enjoy some of the stuff that we're doing. If it's First Friday, if it's a chef's dinner, if it's uh, watching a, you know, a finals game or something like that, then um, come enjoy the space. Enjoy the time music food usually and good drinks so um we're here for wichita how can people find out the different events that they can attend and also how can people contact you if they want to do an event so uh i'd say the easiest and main way is through our website uh we have a really great web developer that created an amazing looking website it's got a lot of good pictures of this space you can also do a virtual tour there um, but we just got it set up to where event tickets, since we're doing them so much more frequently now, uh, is right there on the front page. And if you click on that, it shows you everything that we have. And like Jimmy said, I'd like to think that we have something for everyone, you know, and, and all ages, you know. Uh, we have a lot of like 70, 80 year old people that follow and come to everything that we do. And so, you know, even if you think that maybe something's not really up your alley, uh, you know, I urge you to, to come try it out, you know, see, because like growth is really just about acceptance of new things and the acceptance of new things can lead to life-changing opportunities uh, and there's a lot of pe great people that gather here um, but as far as finding out what we're doing yeah the website's great our Facebook Oddfellow ICT um, we have an Instagram Oddfellow ICT as well and then as far as getting hold of us call the line because it's going to be one of us or uh our emails are very easy it's just jimmy or cody at oddfellowhall.com so spam yeah. them yep do <laughs> it we'll take them yeah well thank you guys yeah. so much for sitting down with us today this was like you said inspiring um very cool it makes me want to go do something maybe run through a brick wall i don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go i'm ready to go so thank you guys and uh yeah that's all we got yeah thank you guys thank you Appreciate guys for coming out man yeah well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of 3M6. We had a lot of fun going down to Oddfellow and talking with Jimmy and Cody. Learned a lot of cool stuff, very inspiring stuff. Go check out oddfellowhall.com for all the things Oddfellow. Look them up on social media like they said. Check them out. Go check out an event. Tell them 3M6 sent you. They'd love to have you. Really great, awesome guys. Everyone at Oddfellow Hall, great guys. Really bringing up the Wichita local scene. Uh, music, food, everything. It's just, it's a really awesome spot. So thank you guys for listening. You can like, subscribe us on all of the platforms out there that listen to the podcasts. Follow us on all the socials at 3M6. That is spelled out T-H-R-E-E-Y-U-M-S-I-X. Um, all the different socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that kind of stuff. You can also go to our website, 3m6.com. That's the number three, Y-U-M, the number six.com. You can type it in the other way too. You'll find us. Go check us out on there. You can find all of our blogs, our socials, 
our podcasts, everything you need. We're going to have some videos. We're going to have some great stuff coming for you guys. But go check it out, 3M6. Special thank you to Anna Sophia, uh, Anna Sophia Music on Instagram. She's Anna Sophia Henry on Spotify and all your other music streaming platforms. She did our theme music. Also, thank you to my good friend and cousin-in-law, Stephen, for designing our logo. Um, Go check them out. And uh, bon appetit, Wichita.